had alloy wheels on it, had gray leather interior in it. That's what you really, that was to carve your dreams. So I come pulling up in my black 1998 Honda Accord, gray interior, this black, has alloy wheels in it. And you see that. And you think, that's what I want. Why does he, how come he's got it? Heck, he's a pastor. He shouldn't be driving a car. I'm out there working like a dog. He's just an old pastor. You know, he shouldn't be making enough money to buy a car like that. And you get jealous because I've got something that you think that you want. Well, here's what we do. And, and the natural people do that all the time, okay? They just let people jealous or envious, okay? But the Bible says this. This is what it says about it. If you have bit, this is in James 3. If you have bitter, verse 13, bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are. It comes from that same source where the enemy tells you you're lacking something. So people come to the church. People get saved. They come to the church. They look around. This is the first thing I did. Heck on, man. These people really know the Lord. What is wrong with me? That was my first thought. What's wrong with me? Guess who was talking to me? It was the devil. He was telling me, there's something wrong with you. They got something that you don't have. And that's a big fat lie. They didn't have a thing that I didn't have. If you're saved, you've got everything that Billy Graham's got. You've got everything that Paul the Apostle had while he was on this earth. As a matter of fact, you have got everything except maybe a couple things that Jesus had. And a couple things you don't have, you're not the firstborn. He was the firstborn. He's the main one, okay? So we always going to be in second place with him. But he's got, do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand why there gets to be divisions and schisms and people get messed up? Because they're listening to the devil. The devil is telling them something. They, they tell them they lack something. They lack something. So they compare themselves with other people. And it shouldn't be so in the house of God. We don't need... Now, there are people who are more mature. There are people that have gifts that you don't have because God doesn't give everybody the same kind of gifts because that would be idiotic because if we all were hearers, we'd just be one giant ear. Nobody wants to be a giant ear, do they? So, you know, we're the body of Christ. And there's some people who are not prominent in the body like certain parts of my body are not prominent today, right? They're hid under these clothes, right? Like your body is. And the, but the Bible says those parts have more honor than the parts that we can see. Like there's certain parts of, of your anatomy that has more honor than your pretty face. You honor it more. You take care of it. You hide it. You, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to go no further with that. If you don't understand that, go talk to your mama. But, but you see... You see what I'm saying, how that's a practical way of how the devil gets us into this comparison thing. The devil gets us to thinking we lack something. And we're worked over by it. And people leave churches. People get hurt. People never go on the Lord. They're under condemnation. And it's stupid. It's not the Bible. That's the thing about this. All right, now, let me just look over in Ephesians 2.10. Let me make this real clear to you about serving the Lord and and and... and working for the Lord. See, I'm really not against those things. I mean, if I was, obviously, when I got my revelations, I would have resigned from being a pastor, right? I would have said, I quit. And, you know, since the Lord's been speaking to me, guess what? I haven't quit reading the Bible. I haven't quit praying. I don't want to talk about fasting. <laughs> okay? 
I haven't quit fellowshipping. I haven't quit coming to church and being part of the body. I ain't quit any of those things. You see what I'm saying? You, if you take this as a license just to be some person, you didn't get revelation. But this is what Paul said. I just want to hit this, okay, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, uh, We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are created to do good works. That was without question. God has created us thus. But the, the good works are the fruit of resting in the Lord. They're the fruit of trusting in the Lord. They're not the means to trust God. They're not the means to be close to God. Those fruits are natural outcome of grace. That's what they are. So if you are really walking in grace, like Jesus walked in grace, you are going to be one busy human being. Because Jesus did a lot of stuff. But He never did it from a position of, if I'll do this, I'll have fruit. He, that is really, you, you got, do you understand what I'm saying? You've got to get that point. Because the fruits, the labor, the service, the ministry, the Bible study, the church attendance, all that stuff, are, it's an outcome. Of, being, of resting in the Lord, resting in the finished work of Christ, allowing God's life to come into you and energize you and Him put you, His thoughts in your mind and His feelings in your heart. Because you're going to think, man, I want to hang around some Christians. I, I want to do that. I want to bless people. You know, because God does. But you don't do that so God will be happy with you. And a lot of people, especially people who feel like they're called in the ministry, woe be unto you if you think this way, because it will beat you like a drum. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do y'all understand what I just said? Because that, that's real important. If you don't get that, you ain't going nowhere. Now go back to Genesis, and I want to show you, and then I'll finish, okay? I want this is This is powerful. There were two families in Genesis, okay? And this, is, this was wild when I read this. Genesis, the first one was Cain. Everybody remember Cain? He's the guy who killed his brother. It's Abel. That's over in Genesis 4. But I don't want to read about that today. I want to go down a little bit in old Cain's life. And let's read in verse 16. This is really cool here. Genesis 4, verse 16. It says, Then Cain, Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. Everybody say, went out from the presence of the Lord. So, in other words, this is what Cain did. He quit, or if he ever was, I don't know. He wasn't abiding in the presence of God. He wasn't abiding in Christ. He left it. He went out on his own. He disconnected himself from the Lord. And Cain knew his wife. She conceived and bore Enoch. And guess what? Enoch built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. So this is a developer, this guy was. First developer in the Bible. He developed the city. He was like an architect, engineer, cool guy. And then to Enoch was born Irad, and Irad begot whoever this guy was, and he got, you know, in other words, they got had a bunch of kids. Jumping down to verse 20, it says, And Adad bore Jabal, and he was the father of all those who dwell in tents and have livestock. So Jabal was what? He was a farmer. He was a rancher. Okay, that's what it says about him. Okay? 
He was a rancher. And then his brother was named Jubal. All you musicians know who Jubal is, right? He was the father of all those who play the harp and flute. He was the father, the, there's the musician's father. If you're a musician, there you go. There's only one little problem with it. Okay, that was old Jubal. And as for Zila, she also bore Tubal Cain, an instructor of every craftsman in bronze and iron. So what he was, was he taught people how, he was like a craftsman, he taught people how to, a silversmith and bronze worker. He, now, here's the thing. This was, this was the ungodly line of Cain that left the Lord. And the thing in this scripture, what it tells you, guess what it tells you? It tells you what about them? What they did. What they did. That's what it was telling us. So here's the thing. We're conditioned from birth. I mean, think about it. From birth to seek approval and acceptance. The baby takes the first step. What does everybody do? Yay! The baby ties its shoes for the first time. Yay! Your son goes out and throws a touchdown pass. Yay! I mean, if you don't think it, I mean, good gracious, go to the soccer game with Dean. I mean, he's way almost, I mean, he's on the border here, you know? You know, the friends you pick. Yes, those son are good friends. We want you to have those friends. The way you look, you're not dressing like an idiot. Your pants are pulled up and you have a belt on. They're not hanging out in your underarms, not showing. We applaud those things. We teach our children. And then as we grow up as adults, um, the car you drive, like my Honda, you know, especially with younger adults, that's a big deal to them to be accepted, drive the right kind of car. The houses we live in, what does people normally ask you when they meet you? What do you do for a living? Well, if I tell people I'm an engineer, they treat me one way. Now that I'm a pastor, I tell them it's like, you know, or they love me. You know, so they either love me for no reason or hate me for no reason. You know, I mean, that's the way it is. But when I was an engineer, I got immediate acceptance and approval from people. Okay, because I was an engineer. I, I promise you, he gets immediate acceptance and approval from people because he's a doctor. But if you tell people, what do you do for a living? Well, I'm a plumber's helper. Great. Good job. I hope you can make it a plumber one day. But you don't get this acceptance and approval. Now, am I saying that's wrong? I'm not saying that's wrong at all. I'm saying in the natural world, that's right. I mean, we should applaud people who go to engineering school because engineering school is difficult. We should more applaud people who become physicians because it is a much more difficult situation. We need to applaud our children when they make scores and do good in music. We should do all those things. That is right in the natural realm. It is all right. It is a positive thing. But when, what we've done is we've transferred that over to the spiritual realm. We've transferred that mindset into the spiritual realm and it's, we gain our identity and our acceptance based on what we do. Do you hear that? We've transferred a worldly, carnal, natural method into the spirit realm, and in the spirit realm it doesn't work because what you do and who you are has nothing to do with you anyway. If you're doing something wonderful, it's not you if it's really God. It's God. It has nothing to do with you. So we've transferred this. So the ungodly line of Cain, their whole thing in the Bible was what they did. That's how they got their identity. They got their identity out of their jobs, what they accomplished in life. 
And that was fine for them because they weren't Christians. They weren't following the Lord. They forsook the Lord. But it's not fine for us. Are y'all with me on this? Now, let's look at the other one, the other crowd. Uh, verse 25 in, in, in Genesis 4. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth. Well, here's old Seth. He's the new guy on the block, okay? For God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. Cain killed Abel, so she had another kid. His name was Seth. And as for Seth, to him also... A son was born, and he named him Enosh. Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. So this, this line of people, Seth's line, began to call on the name of the Lord. Okay? That's what they did. As a matter of fact, if you go back and study Jesus' genealogy, he didn't, he didn't go through Cain. Jesus rejected Cain. He went through the line of Seth. But then if you go and start reading about Seth's ancestors, this is, this is what really spoke to me. It goes on. Let's look over here in uh, verse 7 of chapter 5, or verse 6. Seth lived 105 years and begot Enosh. And after he begot Enosh, Seth lived 807 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days for Seth were 912 years, and he died. Enosh lived 90 years and begot Canaan. After he begot Canaan, Enosh lived 815 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enosh were 900 years, 905 years, and he died. And it goes on and goes on, but guess what it doesn't list with them? Their accomplishment. We don't know anything about what these guys, we didn't know if they were carpenters, or we didn't know if they were plumbers, we didn't know if they were doctors. We don't know anything about what they did with their life. All we know is, they were the people who began to seek the Lord. And we know the father of music was come from a crowd who left the Lord and found his identity in his music and found his, you know, found his identity because he was a developer of cities, found his identity because he was a rancher, a herdsman. And we have transferred that into the spiritual realm, finding our identity in what we do finding who we are and what we do instead of finding our real identity in Christ. Christ in me. That's where my true identity is. So when the devil comes and suggests to me that I lack something, I can tell him, I don't lack a thing. I lack nothing because I got Christ in me. Therefore, I don't have to be jealous of anybody. I don't have to strive for anything. I don't have to do anything to make God happy. Are y'all getting this? I don't have to do anything. I'm free. I'm a free man. I'm set free. If I don't preach good, so what? Find another preacher. I'm still a complete person. I'm still a complete because I've got my identity from God. I'm complete. So when I go somewhere and see the Lord blessing something, I don't have to get jealous and get angry. What's wrong with me? Why is God not blessing me? I'm set free from all that. I can go and be around somebody that's chiefly blessed. I'm free. I'm chiefly blessed. Do you hear what I'm saying? It will change your life. I don't have to strive to be in the ministry because I think, oh, that's going to make me happy. That's going to make me something. That's going to satisfy something deep in my heart. I don't have to. I can be in the ministry because Jesus is saying, this is what I put in you. I want to do it through you. I'm going to live it through you. Or he could say, I'm going to be the best salesman in the world through you. 
I'm going to sell cars through you. I'm going to, you know, sell bicycles through you. Do y'all get this? Are you? I mean, just because this will radically turn your life upside down. Because all of a sudden when you start hearing people say, well, you know what the church needs to do this year? We need to really pray. And you think, yeah, Jesus really wants to really pray. I can do it because He wants to do it. I don't have to pull myself up all the bootstraps and make myself do something because God really wants me to. And if I don't, He ain't going to be happy. And I'm going to be missing God if I don't do this. You know, you're not going to miss Him. If you abide in Him, you're not going to miss Him. Let me thank you, Matthew. Get that revelation. You won't be jerked from here to yonder by men and their crazy ploys. All right, turn over to Revelations and we'll end. Are you, is the Lord saying anything to anybody? I mean, I mean, besides you're getting good information, you're getting the truth, your mind's being washed. You know, there's a certain amount of building up that the Word of God does, but what I want you to get is the eyes of your understanding to get open. Because honestly, that's what I did in my life. I was seeking for significance. I was searching for significance outside the Lord, thinking if I'll do this, God will be happy. If I'll say it this way, if I'll act this way, if I have this, if I have that, then I'll finally find fulfillment. And that won't work. You'll never get there. Instead, I'm fulfilled now. And anything I do is an outcome of the Lord in me. He's doing it. I don't have to do it. Do you hear me? You don't have to do it. You're significant. Right now, at this moment, you're very significant. You've got Christ in you, living His life in you. And if you will just, by faith, connect with that, you will live the most significant life you could ever live. And we have been taught exactly opposite. And I'm guilty for teaching it. I'm sorry. I really am. But I didn't have this revelation. But now i got this revelation. i got a new deal going. You know, i got these messages. I feel like, feel like the Lord gave me a man is blessed in what he does. Scripture. It's like, Lord, no, you can't teach that until you get this thing right. So you can preach it from a place of grace to help us walk it out. There's a lot more to this. But anyway, I want to give you this one last thing. Go to the end of the Bible, Revelations 2. Now, if I'm hollering and being out, you know, crazy, that's okay. I mean, because I don't mind it. Now, some people may mind it. Because you can talk quietly and get the same point across, okay? I'm just excited. Okay, I'm really excited. I'm excited for you. It says, verse 2, I mean, chapter 2, verse 1. But again, if this is information to you, it's just information to you. It won't transform you. You'll agree with me. That's the truth. It is crossing me. Yes, yes, yes. Let me go home now. I better make sure I better read the Bible this morning. I didn't read the Bible three times this week. I'm not going to be very spiritual. That's what you'll do. You'll, those thoughts will creep back into your mind. Okay? And you'll start living by those thoughts. Well, those thoughts will try to creep back in my mind. I'm thinking, I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that. And I love reading the Bible. I'll tell you how bad it got for me. It got so bad for me as this. I'm thinking, I don't want to be in the ministry no more, Lord. I want to do something else with my life because I am unhappy and I'm not going to live my life on this earth unhappy. I don't believe in that. I want to go find something I can do that I'll be happy at. That's what I told the Lord. And one of the things that sort of was grievous to me, honestly, when I started thinking like that, I was thinking, you know, I can study the Bible and get paid for it. You know, I can pray and get paid for it. I love studying the Bible. I enjoy that. 
I like having time to be able to just sit there and read it and ask God to talk to me and look up things in the concordance and do all this stuff you do when you st- I really enjoy it. That was sort of great. I think, I mean, that's going to be sad. I'm not going to get to do that. I'll have to just get up in the morning and real early and try to pray and, you know, and then get in the car and try to pray on the way to work. Well, I've been praying on the way to work. Lord, I hope you're happy with that. <laughs> you know, I'm living 45 miles away from my job, so i got to pray on the way to work, God, because I can't get up no earlier. <laughs> I heard a guy recently talking about this. You know, this was at, supposedly pastors were there, but there's a bunch of people talking about, you need to spend four hours a day with the Lord. I'm thinking, you're an idiot for saying that. Look at the condemnation you're putting on people. What are you going to tell a guy who works 10 hours a day and gets up and leaves his house at 5 o'clock in the morning and gets home at 7 o'clock at night? You're telling this poor soul he needs to spend four hours a day. You're loading him up. And I told the guy, that's being a Pharisee. Don't tell people that stuff. And he said, well, I was telling people in the ministry. I said, don't tell me that. I don't want to hear it. It's not the truth. I don't have to do that. All right. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, These things said he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have preserved and have patience and have labored for my name's sake, and you have not become weary. And I I read that, and this is two things. Number one, they labored for the Lord, which is not good. We don't labor for the Lord, because he rebukes that. But the thing that really blew my mind about these guys, I'm thinking, man, these guys were much better than me. They didn't get tired of it. I got tired of it. I got sick and tired of laboring for the Lord. I got sick of it. And I hope you get sick of it. I hope you get sick of it where you just say, I can't do this no more. Because He is not interested in what you can do for Him. And you have preserved and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. You've walked away from the very thing that gives you life. You know, we preach that about loving the Lord and all that, and that's really the truth. But I'll tell you, it's, it's, they stopped abiding in Christ. And they started doing all this stuff on their own, trying to make sure. You know, we're going to make sure these guys are really apostles. We're going to test their hides, and God will be happy, and we'll be a safe church, and... Blah, blah, blah. And here's the Lord saying, well, you know what? Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Because they didn't start that way. Because God, if you remember what Paul said back, I think, in Acts 20, when he talked to the elders, that was a significant thing for me, is that whole little conversation that Paul had with the elders. And I think it's Acts 20, when he says, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. That's what he left with the Ephesus crowd. And they, over the years, for whatever reason, got away from that. They got away from the Lord Himself, and they got away from a grace-empowered lifestyle where the grace of God was working in them, doing all these things in them. And here's the Lord saying, you've gotten away from that. You've fallen from grace. You've fallen from me. You're eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You're trying to find your identity as a church by your works, by your actions. And Jesus was saying, that is not going to get it, pal. We're not going to do that. And then he says, um, he says, you've got to repent from where you've fallen. 
You've got to repent from falling from grace. I really believe that's what it's really talking about. Repent and do the first works. In other words, you get back to God and to the word of His grace. What Paul told them to do, the gospel of grace, back there in Acts 20. And, um, or else, this is what he said, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. All right, this is what happened. This is Last year, Mooresville Christian Academy had a move of the Lord in their, what do you call it, chapel service. They had a chapel, and guess who came to chapel that day? Jesus came to chapel that day in a real way. I wasn't here, unfortunately, to be with Jesus in the chapel. But he fell here. Larry was drunk in the spirit. He was just drunk as a skunk. And, I mean, he was drunk. Let's get it. Let's just say it. Larry was drunk. In fact, Larry was so drunk, Dean Stein had heard Larry's drunk and thought, what in the world is wrong with him? He's drunk. i got to go get this man. He flipped his car around the road, running to get Larry, thinking Larry had been out drinking liquor all night. <laughs> but it wasn't liquor. These men are not drunk as you suppose. They were drunk on the Lord. And the Lord came, and the kids were People got saved. People were on the floor weeping before the Lord, and the Lord was speaking and giving visions. And the Lord said something to Becky. She was here that day, and he said she heard this intercession coming down from her belly, saying, Lord, please don't remove our lampstand. Please don't remove our lampstand, Lord. And she told me about it recently, and when she did, I can tell you exactly the place I was in, in the car driving. I mean, I moved all the way across the road because it frightened me. I realized we're in danger. We are in danger here of the Lord, the light of the Lord departing from us. You could go on and be a church, but God is not there. His love is not there. His revelation is not there. His beauty is not there. We are in danger. It's because we fall from grace. We've forsaken Christ in us. I can do all things through Christ. We've forsaken that. And we went out to try to please God and do all these things and make God happy. And He's saying, no, don't do that no more. Repent from that. You're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Is wine drinking wrong? That's the wrong question. Is wearing pants for a woman wrong? Wrong question. All those things are wrong to be even thinking about. Am I righteous? Am I godly? That's really, what tree am I eating from? You hear what I'm saying to you? It's not what we do. It's not about morals. It's not about trying. It's not about doing. Remember when I said about that tree, that's what it's all about? About good and right and wrong. Good and evil. Rules. About what you do. It's not about that. That's not what grace is about. Grace is about what He does in me. It's about the life of Christ. It's about me eating Christ. And when I truly eat Him and partake of Him and abide in Him, His life comes out of me. And I promise you, Jesus ain't going to be going out and doing no sin and stuff. He ain't going to go out and be doing a bunch of stupid stuff. That ain't Jesus. He doesn't do it. Jesus is righteous. And, our, and we will be righteous, and we will do the right things. We will be morally right. We will be all those things. But it's because of Him. So my question to you today is, which tree are you eating from? Because if you're eating from the wrong tree, you are withering, and you will die. You will die. Because I was, <laughs> I was on the deathbed. I really was. 
I was on the deathbed. I didn't even know it until the Lord came and revealed himself like this to me. And I realized, like Paul realized, oh, wretched man that I am. I have messed this thing up, boy. I've been a Christian for 25 years. I've read the normal Christian life probably 25 times. <laughs> Go read that book. It talks all about the exchange life. And I didn't get it. And you're not going to get it until he says, light in. And that's what you need to ask for, the Lord, light in. Now here, let's be brutally honest this morning. I want to I give you a chance to be brutally honest. Who don't have the revelation about God's grace? If you don't really feel like you've got a real revelation, I want you to stand up right now. Real revelation. I'm talking about something's real. It ain't about keeping it pumped up. Here's what I told Becky. This is what a fool I've been. I remember two or three years ago, we went up to Toronto back when the renewal stuff was happening. It was great and it was wonderful. And God touched me. It was wonderful. Guess what I do? I come home. I'm thinking, well, I can keep this thing going. I will watch them live on the Internet every day. <laughs> Think about how stupid that is. Thinking I could keep this thing going. I couldn't keep it going. That's the wonderful thing about the revelation of grace. You ain't got to do anything. All you got to do is believe it and stay there when you get out of it. I got, you know, I was messed up one day in the morning time. I was having a hard time. I was mean, slapping, snappy, and, you know. But the Lord in His grace spoke to me, pulled me back into grace, pulled me back into it. Now, everybody standing up. Lord bless you. Stay standing up. Now, the people who really feel like they have a real revelation of it, and... I'm going to sit down so I can stand up. The people who feel like they have a revelation of grace but really feel like they want more There's because more, there's so much more than what I shared. I mean, this is, this is just the beginning. Like I say, this is the beginning. But if you really want more of this and you really want to, to really live as Christ, that Christ really lives your life and you really find those pleasures. I mean, you find deep pleasures and it can be in simple things. And suddenly your life has fulfillment in it, and you're fulfilled in stuff that's stupid stuff. Hey, I didn't ever think I was going to be fulfilled just sitting around talking to my wife. I mean, gosh, you know, we've already done all that stuff 20 years ago. You know, when you've been married 25 years, but you really want to go deeper and get more and let, Lord, I want more of your life to flow through me. It's not that I'm going to make it happen, but I don't, that's my desire, Lord. I sincerely ask you for a deeper revelation of grace. I ask you for a sincere, deeper revelation of the cross and what you have already accomplished, that I can walk in this thing in a greater way and I can live the rest of my life commended to God in the word of His grace. I can live it out and be expressed through me.